All right, we're live. We're live. What's up, guys? John Sintes here, Cutter Nation. Got an awesome guest. My buddy and I, we, can't, we, we send messages all the time back to each other. Frustration, happiness, good things. Uh, before we get there, don't forget to go over to my online store, check out my gear, grab one of these Don't, throw, don't Think Just Throw shirts. I got three hats left. Uh, they're all the baseball logo stuff. I got some new stuff in the works. I released two new shirts this past week. I got another one coming out. It may or may not have something to do with Bayou, which is kind of funny because uh, Rob and I were just talking about some funny things. And if you know about that, then you know exactly what we're talking about. But without further ado, my man from Bridgeport, Connecticut, all the way via YouTube, amazing technology coming in, Rob Blanc, Prime Perform on Instagram. Rob, good morning. How are you? How are things going? I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm, I'm great. I'm a little slow this morning, so I decided that since you and I always send each other bangs, I need to grab a celebratory bang here. Go ahead and kick off the day love with a bang it. and love, go from there. It. I love these things. Like, I can't I, – I wouldn't say that I'm addicted, but they're just too easy, you know? I mean, I'd 100% say I'm addicted to every single one of them, so. Okay. Okay. All we're right. All I'm in. I'm in for sure. All right, so you and I kind of met on Instagram, kind of sent some back and stuff, uh, back and forth information, and I really like, and some guys that listened to the podcast before, I really like how the community of baseball pitching, specifically for what we're doing, is so tuned in to information and sharing, and I really feel like with the stuff that you put out there, you know, you put out some really quality information, especially with you trying to be a giant human and moving houses from one location to another just by yourself, because you're always sending me rack pulls or deadlifts or workouts. And I'm like, all right, well, I did work out. Apparently I didn't do enough today. So I have to go back and do some more. Can you explain your strategy on what you're trying to do to stay in shape as an instructor? I mean, as far as an instructor goes, um, I kind of my philosophy as far as like with my kids is if I don't show that I'm going to compete at the highest level, how can I expect my players to? Um, so my background in strength conditioning, after I graduated college, I went to Franklin Pierce university. Um, I played four years there uh, and actually went to two college world series. It's pretty sweet. Um, and I studied sports and recreation management, but I didn't really feel like what I wanted to do. Um, so later on after pro ball, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get into the strength conditioning field. Um, and it, it actually all started when I actually got mentored by uh, Alex Casillas or Flama Degas on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, all right. So, so that was a huge starting point for like the rest of um, basically my new career. Um, and he really got me into it and really opened my eyes on a different way to train for baseball. I mean, because most of us throughout our career, especially for us, like, back uh, when, we were, when we were in college, it was all about like, hey, let's stay mobile. We can't really lift heavy, heavy. we're pitchers. Um, so it's not really, it's kind of taboo to let it rip in the weight room and um, out squat or out deadlift some of the bigger position players. And I really found that over the course of time, uh, we saw like a, I saw a huge jump in velocity for me. And then for a lot of my players now who are gaining 10, 15 pounds over the course of the weekend, gaining 10, a uh, course in off season, um, gaining 10, 20 miles an hour in fastballs and pull, pull downs. It's, it's insane. Yeah, I totally, I totally <laughs> agree on that. Uh, my, the school that I went to was um, my second, 
no, my third year at my, cause I was a red shirt at my first year in junior college. And then uh, my second year I threw submarine for a year and hated it because I never pitched. <laughs> in game. I had a nasty slider. I had, a, I had a bowling ball, 12, six changeup that I threw at like 55 miles an hour. Um, but the sidearm part, I was up to like 86. Um, not too bad, you know, but I just never pitched in a game. So I hated it. Like I threw like 20 innings in like in a whole season we were up 10 or down 10 and I had pretty good numbers, but it just, I just didn't enjoy it, you know? And so they end up like releasing me. So I try to go on a sabbatical and figure out where, how I'm going to pitch, what I'm going to do, kind of reteach myself the things that I thought I was doing right. And, um, end up getting an opportunity to go to university, uh, university of West Florida had a great experience there. But the, the first thing I was there is, is, you know, we didn't really have a strength coach and, and things from there. And then my final year, we actually got a strength coach and the guy knew what he was talking about was ahead of the curve for, you know, power clings and deadlifts and squats and functional movements and medicine balls and training more like an athlete. And I really got a lot more athletic in what I was doing. But unfortunately, that was actually combined with something where I was told that the way I was throwing the ball at, at my senior year was inefficient by my manager and I needed to change it. I needed to shorten up my arms. I was too long. I was too, um, I was too, I don't even remember what he said, to be honest with you. It's been like 14. Crazy. Yeah, it's been so, <laughs> But basically, I remember, long story short, my circle was too long on the backside and it was causing drag and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But the funny thing is, I found out later uh, when one of my uh, teammates from Summer Ball from the Valley League saw me throw, he was like, dude, um, did you, why'd you change your motion? And I said, um, well, I was told that scouts didn't like, um, my arm action. It was too long. Um, and it, and it was going to cause this and this. And he goes, well, you were like 90 to 94 with us this summer. And you're like 84, 87. Are you hurt? And I was like, I'm said, I'm not really hurt. And I said, but I'm just, you know, I just kind of tried this new thing that my coach said <clears throat> and, and that, you know, uh, I, it just, I guess it feels good. I don't feel any problems, but what I did notice you know, in retrospect in the two was my level of soreness before and after was unbelievable. Like in the summer yeah. we would throw, we had a seven man rotation because in the Valley, our head coach was a high school baseball coach and wanted to make sure everybody got innings, which really means we lost all the time, you know? <laughs> and so I would like start a game, have three days off, throw one in relief, have a day off, throw another inning in relief, have and two more days again. off, <laughs> and then start. Yeah, and so it'd be like a ten day rotation, which you know isn't terrible, you know, <clears> in the in looking back, you know. But if you're trying to build or do anything from there, it's you know it's very inefficient from that. Mm. But that being said, it's kind of funny now how you know you're starting to see some of these guys, you know, with the um, oh, what's it called the uh the the yellow ball that guys are like putting in oh, right the here, the like, connection balls. The connection ball. Yeah, the connection ball where people are kind of getting real short with that and, you know, trying to do the pocket whip stick and stuff, but in yeah. a kind of a different okay. way. And I, Strange and I don't way. mind it. I don't, I don't mind it. It, it really works out. But for me personally, I, it, it hurt, you know, it just, oh, it just yeah. didn't work. So I ended up having a involsion fraction in my elbow where uh, my tricep pulled my bone apart. And oh, nice. so, yeah, and actually took, um, let's see. When it happened, it happened Easter weekend. My whole family drove down or drove to Huntsville, Alabama. It was 30 degrees. 
and I couldn't get hot and I made it to the third inning and I threw a pitch and I just heard a snap immediately thought Tommy John. But if you know anything about Tommy John, if you snap it, there's giant swelling and possibly some bruising. And mine, (laughs) mine swelled for about six hours and then went down to nothing, which really Mm -hmm. confused everybody, except for I was still having massive pain on if I, I remember specifically trying to pull my bag with my arm and being like, Oh, like that was, Mm. you know, a repeat of pain. And then also I stepped off of something and like the impact of my body hitting the ground also created pain. So I was very confused. And then when I go to the doctor, I go to the Andrews Institute in Pensacola, which is where our school's at. The doctor tells me, looks like a strain. I'm not really getting any issues back. Um, and my coach is in the meeting with us and he's like, do you think he can be back for a conference tournament? We need him, blah, blah, blah. He's our ace. And, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, hey, if you think it's a string, how long am I out? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, let's wait two weeks and then you need to start rehab next, you know, in two or three days. And then we'll see how it goes from there. So about a four week rehab process progress goes. I don't progress at all. Like they're doing shoulder stretches. They're doing anything that's like any kind of torque or anything. We don't know at this time that there's an 85% stress fracture in my elbow. It doesn't, we don't figure that out till after the conference tournament. And then two weeks later, when I finally get, go to get my, um, basically your exit interview with the uh, training staff where they try to get me to sign this letter where I'm completely, you know, healthy. I'm not signing anything, man. My, I can't throw. I can't run. I can barely do a tricep extension. I can't do a push up. Like something's wrong. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so, you know, long story short, uh, they do, they do an MRI, call me back. I ended up having two surgeries in three years to figure it out and then had to refigure out my life, how to go from there. But that being said, I would not have learned the amount of information. I would not have learned how to throw my cutter. I would not have learned all these things now and where I'm at and how I could be 32 years old and throw 160 pitches and 11 innings in a Tijuana championship game, which we lose because I can, you know, like when, when, and when you're at, and I don't recommend anybody doing that, but I'm saying the only reason why I went to that point is because I went, okay, I know I have unlimited amount of recovery time after this. There is no, there is no, and you only play on Sundays, so there is no next weekend, you know, so it's, it's a, it was a completely different, you know, situation. So taking all that and then running into you as a large human and, and trying to uh, go from there, when you figured out, when you were training with Flama, what was really like one of the first things that opened your eyes um, to, you know, this different way of training? Cause I had some similar, I had some, some things like that kind of be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa what's, what's all this stuff, you know? <clears throat> okay. So, um, my freshman year of college, um, I threw, was my first year of pitching ever. Um, cause I was a catcher all the way up into college. Um, so I threw 50 plus 60 innings out of the pen my freshman year. And I actually, um, toward the end of the end of the year, um, I had a huge amount of shoulder problems. Um, but at that point I was up to 94, 95 and I was the freshman closer. Um, and the biggest thing was, I kind of ran out of gas toward the end. And I actually went to the Cape Cod league and pitched for the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox for a few weeks. And I threw one pitch and my entire, my posterior labrum literally snapped in half. Um, 
So I threw the ball about 50 feet and couldn't really lift my shoulder for three weeks. So I ended up getting surgery and then I spent the next five years um, either not pitching, throwing 10 or less innings, um, seeing drastic changes in velocity. And ultimately I kind of almost gave up on baseball because I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't throw a strike, couldn't throw hard, never felt good again. And it took me all the way up until the point when I met Flom on Instagram because I was just looking on Instagram one day and um, I came across this page and it was like, oh, well, this is a huge – that's when I first discovered Driveline. Um, and I actually messaged him. I was like, hey, uh, you know what? I'm going to go for a training program. Um, and I'd messed around with weighted balls before where I did like the Tom House program. I mean, I saw a little bit of pro- progress with that. Um, but I didn't even see remotely the amount of gains I saw with the driveline program. I mean, I saw double what I saw with, um, the Tom house velocity program. Um, but what I realized in the beginning of my training process was when I would take video of myself throwing, I was like, damn, like I move really, really slow and I don't know why. And that was the biggest thing he came to me. He's like, dude, you need to start picking up. And that's when I first learned, really learned about intent. And I find like intent is like a huge problem with a lot of kids these days. It's like they're uncomfortable working at like 100% or working at 110% where, oh, well, there's a risk of injury or like a fear of injury. Um, and that was my biggest thing was like I was scared to get hurt again. Um, you know, and it took me months of training with – basically with intent and working with like plow balls and weighted balls to finally open up the floodgates. And then I was up to 94 again when I went first went into pro ball. Um, so with that in mind, the, tr- the weightlifting wise, like I saw, I saw toward the end of my career, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna start to lift, but I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really understand what I was doing. Um, I was kind of like, Hey, let's get big as, as big as possible. And hopefully that works out. Well, obviously it didn't because I still couldn't throw a strike and I still couldn't throw hard because I couldn't move fast. So later on, when I started working with Flama, um, the whole different driveline training method, using velocity-based training and understanding, hey, how many, how we can create fat twitch muscle fibers through big lifts, like bench for squat, deadlift, overhead press, whatever. And it kind of went against everything that I knew before that. It was like, okay, well, I, everyone's been telling me, even my strength coaches, um, my coaches, hey, pitchers never lift overhead. They never bench press. They never do any of these big lifts. And I kind of took a leap of faith here. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to lift it the exact way he's telling me to. I'm going to open my eyes. Hey, I'm going to max out with all these things and i saw huge progress in my first year got up to 315 pound bench press deadlifting over 500 pounds squatting almost 400 um and it showed because then my velocity came back it was like oh there we go we're back up to 92 94 and i had never felt better um and i progressed the next three years until um i kind of got to a point where i went to spring training my last last year with Traverse City Beach Films after after coming off a Frontier League championship. Um, and I was a little too old in the, because the Frontier League, the age cap is 27. Um, and I kind of fit into the experience category. So I kind of got the short end of the stick. And that's kind of where my journey of training kids and 
kind of really focusing on developing my players rather than developing myself. Um, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because I always enjoy training and the process of training way more than playing It's, I mean, I, the competition you see, like when you, when you're in a weight room or, you know, in a room with a plow wall and you're letting balls rip with other, other dudes, it's like, there's nothing better than that. It's, constantly competing against the guy next to you trying to blow it out to a hundred or more. So that, that's, that's basically how I found um, my new training method. And, and I'm constantly trying to learn more and more and more and more on how to maximize kids abilities. I mean, realistically, like if we're looking at a group of guys, you're going to have 10 different players that need to be trained 10 different ways with 10 different problems. So the process of figuring out what works for each individual guy is kind of what drives me to get these kids to reach their ultimate goals. But <sighs> driveline in itself, I think is one of the biggest um, influencers on me um, and my training training methods so far, especially Flama, because he kind of introduced me into all of this stuff because his journey was very similar to mine. He got hurt um, multiple times and worked around in different JUCOs and went to different independent leagues and kind of just rolled through it and was constantly trying to figure out like with the yips. And I mean, you, I mean, you see Flama stuff on Instagram all the time talking about the yips and um, DGAF and everything else, but the whole mental approach with um, pitching or throwing or hitting whatever of really being aggressive in our movements and not really focusing on mechanical aspects. That's something I struggle with throughout my career. It's like, Hey, how can I, Oh, I threw a bad pitch. What did I do wrong? I mean, that's kind of a recipe for failure. It's like, oh, well, if I change this, 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 and this, maybe I'll throw a strike. It doesn't work that way. And I'm sure you and I both know that. It's like, hey, we can't really be super mechanical in our throws or in our movements because then we're not really successful to successful on a regular basis and we don't throw hard. So at the end of the day, velocity matters. And that's a lot of th thing that kids don't really understand. And I'm sure you run into the same problems with a lot of your kids. It's like, Velo matters. I mean, queso. It's that's what it's all about. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah, that thing from Trevor Bauer is unbelievable. See what we got. Yo, Rob, can you hear me? All right. Yes. Okay. There we go. Sorry, I, my end kind of. I was actually saying it was kind of funny what you were saying because I'm wearing a 
don't think just throw shirt right now. That's exactly what you were just talking about. <laughs> uh, um, no, that's so funny. And, you know, honestly, you know what's weird is I missed Flama in the Pecos League. Um, we actually were on the same team, but he got picked up on the White Sands Pupfish right after I got released from that team after striking out 11. It was hilarious. We had a big issue with um, – the manager there and this guy was dude, i didn't even know the man who he was because so when were you in the frontier league by the way and what team were you on so my first year was 2015 yeah 2015 i, I started off with the Lakers crushers um i ended up getting, i ended up getting basically released for three position players uh, i got picked up by the normal corn belters like two weeks later uh, and then I got sent to the Traverse City Beach Films, and actually won the Frontier League Championship. I think that was 2014 or 2015. Um, so, you know what's crazy? I I was in in spring training with Lake Erie also, hmm. but I'm trying to I'm trying to look and see what year it was. Okay, it was before I w- it was 2012 when uh, yeah. when I was yeah. So it'd be a year or two before me. Yeah. So 2012. Well, who was the coach at that point? Um, Mazzarelli. Oh, yeah. So, no, it was, it was two years later, a year or two later. Okay. Yeah. So, that's funny. And so, I actually went in cold through the draft in Lake Erie. And um, once I finally got healthy, I was able to get up there. I did real well. And then I ended up getting the short end of the stick, too, because they brought back two guys who got released from um, affiliated ball. So, oh. I wasn't able to get – I didn't even get an opportunity. I made it to the last day, and then they released five of us. And um, they were like, yeah, you can go to the Pecos League. And I had no idea what it was. And I tried to do research. You know, that was when the websites were even worse than they are now. <laughs> and, like, so they give me this guy's number. I call him. And um, so I ended up, you know, my dad's like, well, hey, you need to play. You got to go. I'll help drive you over there. So we drove 24 hours from Florida to New Mexico. And I got over there, uh, called the guy, didn't know who he was. And then realized when I called him and then looked at him that we were like about the same age. I was like, whoa, whoa, this is kind of, you know, who are you? What's the deal? And he ended up, uh, all right, well, here's your jersey. Um, uh, locker rooms like this shed over here behind the bullpen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, uh, shag VP or whatever, you want to rest, grab some food, games here at this time, you know, we'll be it will be ready in a little bit. So just be ready for that. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing, you know? Mm. And so I end up like doing the math, meeting a couple guys and looking at some stuff. And there must've been 60 guys out there. And I'm like, that's a lot of people, you know, I don't really know what's going on. And then we have a pitchers meeting and I look around again and I'm like, there must be like 40 of us. Like there's a ton of dudes here, you know, like there was a, (laughs) and this guy, you know, in the Pecos League, a lot of people don't know, but even there's a 25-man roster, but that's a daily roster. It doesn't really matter, you know, how the, how things go with that. Like, it's it's really the Wild West of, like, you know, professional baseball, quote-unquote, where, oh, yeah. you know, you get paid, you get paid, you don't get paid, you know, and, and there's a whole different thing on that. But long story short, you know, I, I really wouldn't have gotten to where I was without that because I met this guy, the legend Rod Tafoya, who – Rod Tafoya, when I met him, I need to catch up with him because I haven't talked in a while. He was 50, throwing 85 as a lefty with only a fastball and a cutter. 
And what? He, gr- he Nolan Ryan grunted every pitch. And he was, a, <laughs> he was a president of a bank in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he could only pitch on Saturday or Sundays. And our manager would finagle the rotation because, by the way, no off days in the Pecos League. You, paid, you played 72 games in 73 days. The only off day was the All-Star game, and I made the All-Star team both years, which means I really didn't have an off day, which was absolutely a grind. But long story short, you know, it was, you know, being, I understood what it was when I got there, you know, like I knew, like, I don't really, I understand it's not, it's not about the money. It's about putting up numbers, doing your best, and then trying to promote yourself outside of it to get out to, you know, a different league, you know? And so it was kind of funny that when I was comparing my career playing history, like Flama was, was ended up, you know, I ended up getting released and then picked up by another team. And then Flama comes back into that team and then. He moves on from there to the American Association in El Paso, and I knew another guy that ended up doing the same. It was just a weird situation, you know, beginning to end. But that being said, just funny how the world works and how we meet everything. Because when when Flama and I ended up trying to, you know, communicating on stuff like that, we started sharing information and this and that and talking social media and everything. He really went full in, and I just, you know, his rants were so legendary, you know, for a while, and now he's kind of. You know, his, it's really funny to watch as it, an outsider to watch what he's doing. And now that he's going with this whole revival slash, you know, you know, getting back to, you know, you know, comeback thing. And, and it's, it's fun to watch him because he was one of the first ones. I remember seeing a video that he posted where he was, I think he was, you know, deadlifting. It looked like a straight leg deadlift, like 600 pounds or something. And I just remember oh, being yeah. like, uh, I, I am not that animal right now. I don't know what you're doing, you know, and that was at the beginning of this whole information cycle. And now we have, you know, guys like you, you know, there's another, um, that one, probably one of your competitors. I don't, I'm sure you know them, but the baseball performance center, they're always putting out good stuff too. You know, there's, there's so many really good pages out there that really, you know, I don't, and I'm sure you get this too. I get DMS from kids that are like, Oh, what do I do this? What do I do that? And oh, I'm like, yeah. Just look, just look, just yeah, look like out there. Like, it's just, it's out there. It's not that hard to find it, you know? Yeah, like you have so much information that you can just look at. Like there's 500 different pages and you can get 500 different sorts of information. Like you don't even have to ask me a question and you'll find if you look at your page, my page, uh, baseball performance, uh, bio pitch, whatever it may be, you're going to find enough information where you can learn how to do things. And that's kind of how I started and that's how I found Flama. Um, but funny to know that flom is one of the like the first driveline guys because he had because he started off with the huge case of the yips and couldn't figure it out so he was totally mentally screwed to start with and then he went to and found kyle and actually fixed basically everything and then kind of went right back to it yeah i'm interested to see what his his uh quote unquote you know comeback season all that whole thing is going to be because now he's got the Fernando thing, which I think is hilarious. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, done a, he's done a really good job, like, identifying and being able for people to be like, you know. Um, I always see it on random pages, like um, the Velo Farm. I'm not sure if you follow them. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. great one. You know, they're always putting out, like, little Fernando things. And then, you know, you got VIP. Um, I think it's called VIP Throwing or something like that. That's over on the yeah. East Coast, too. Those guys are yeah, great. Velocity increase program, and then the yeah. guy who actually owned VIP now actually runs PRP baseball. 
Oh, okay, now i got to follow that one now. Okay, hold on. Let's get to there. But, you know, long story short, there's just there's so much information for people to be able to get into, you know, to be able to learn something. And, and you know, that's there's a couple kids that I remember that I'm, I'm always just like, okay, you know, I understand that you want to make sure you know you, you don't want to hurt yourself or you don't want to cause an issue, but it's, it's safe to say that if it doesn't hurt, then I think you're doing something okay. You know, that's the yeah. way I look at it. Like, let your body tell you uh, if it feels good or it doesn't. And, you know, like you were talking about with bench press stuff, I even myself only, only bench press dumbbells for so long. And yeah. then this past probably three or four weeks, I really just, just okay. You know, I, I went to uh, Mark Bell's page, by the way, Powerlifter, yes. you know, and was yeah. like, he had, a, he had an intro to basic bench. And it was something as simple as keeping, you know, an overarched back through the entire lift to free up the scaps for my, like, because I used to feel shoulder pressure, you know, but I had yeah, no idea. Course. I was, you know, I was flat backed. I was, you know, there were so many things that I was doing wrong with that, but just something like that, just overarching my back, cleaned up the whole thing. And so now I'm enjoying benching for the first time at 32 where I'm like, oh, look at that. You know, and, and so it's just like you constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to put information out where, where I can just relay this information to someone else, you know, and I, and I really find it so much fun. That's why I like doing this podcast. You know, I'm such a Joe Rogan, you know, fan with his podcast because, you know, I remember, I literally remember driving from Santa Fe, New Mexico to uh, Trinidad, uh, Colorado. It's a yeah. five hour drive. And my manager, who is also a guy I had on the podcast, I need to catch up and say, Bill Moore, probably one of the best humans in baseball I've ever met. You never met a guy who cared more about people. A little bit old school. He was a, okay, when I played for him in 2012, 2013, and 2012, yeah, 13, 14, whatever it was, um, he was 82 diabetic former former navy uh former navy man and after he got out of the navy all the money he made he bought a car dealership and a strip club next to each other and used to just <laughs> bang out used to bang out business deals all the time using both of them back and forth and i mean the guy had stories for days he just loved baseball and he just he was such a good good person to really help people, but he was probably the best judge of character I'd ever, like he, he, he gave me this, or not really, he helped me identify this thing that a lot of people have, but they don't really know what it is. And he called it the smell. And it's one of the funniest things. Like if he would meet a guy, if you would meet a guy and you smelled, he didn't like you. And it wasn't like an odor. It was just, yeah. you could tell how you acted. Like I never, I'll never forget. We had this one six six wiry guy coming, and the dude was like ninety four, ninety six. And Bill's a guy that he's old school. It's all professional. It's when you show up to the ballpark, you're taking BP, your shirt's tucked in. We're a team, you know. No shorts and BP. It's pants. It's you know, clean your shoes, have everything looking good. You know, uh, no backwards hats. Um, he was one of the first guys that I'd, I'd heard about sunglasses, uh, not covering up the logo, 
of uh, of your hat, which is something that the Braves do and some other teams. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen teams that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for you guys at home that don't know this, but there are some organizations that have rules where you can't come up with a logo. So that's where you'll see a guy, you know, he'll put this, they'll put the sunglasses on the back of the hat like so, you know. And, and, you know, it was just – it was cool just to be hear a different version of baseball with me being from the South and then him being from Arizona, just all the cool information. But on the flip side, you know, at 82, you're not throwing BP every day. You know, you're definitely not coaching third base every inning. You know, and him being diabetic multiple times, he gave me that look like I need to eat something. And so I would have to go on a dead sprint to the snack bar, grab a Snickers bar or a slice of pizza and bring it down to him, which <laughs> he would still take to the third base coaching box. And, you know, and just keep, you know, don't mind him. He's just trying to keep the game going. And it's just, it's just such a funny, funny, small world. And I love the guy to death, you know, and he's, he's such a great guy and, you know, person that, that passes on such quality information to athletes. But you know, it's just the, the the people that you meet in baseball, the relationships. You always hear the guys talk about it, and you know, on the pros, where they, you know, you don't really miss the game so much. You miss the guys, and you know, I think that with what you're doing with your group training and everything, and like the people that I'm working with, that you know, I hear that from some of the kids. One of the one of the guys I worked with did a, a couple of weeks in the summer training, and then went to go play in the, the uh, NorCal Collegiate League, and he shot me some texts and everything, and he's like. You know, he's the first. He's really followed driveline on his stuff, and then we took some of the stuff that I have, I had him do, and then the stuff that he liked, and then he went yeah. up to, to the NorCal, and he's just talking about how much better he feels. Like he has way more awareness on like how to and what to do and how to recover, and he's leading the league in appearances and throwing two or three innings and just coming in, and he just you know, Flama Degaf, he stopped caring about what the quote unquote mechanical side of the things were. And he's trying to compete, you know, and, and um, what's crazy with him is his first pull down day, we just worked on a little bit more of external, like following through further, rotating farther, yeah, finishing yeah. looser, trying to turn everything from the ground up as fast as you possibly can. And he went from 88 to 97 in his pull downs. And it was crazy. Like we were freaking out. We were all like, and, and he and he was even at 97 going like I think I have more and then looking when you look at his numbers he's 59160 155 wait, wait what he's 59 yeah, nine? <laughs> yeah. And, he's a, and he's and he's a three quarter guy but he's such a fast twitch guy yeah, yeah. and he, you know and he, he was a lot of the stuff that he was doing before he had you know met me and stuff like that he was doing a lot of um, you know something that I incorporate too that I really like which which are, um, I like to use the word hold a lot because I, I think there's a difference in a release and a hold, but he yeah. does uh, some medicine ball holds on some max effort rotation stuff. And okay. so we were, we kind of, you know, I talked to him about it. We implemented it in there and he really liked using that to warm up and do some stuff. And so we got him to be repeating everything from there. And it was really fun to watch him do his thing. And now he's like, dude, I'm, I'm like 92, 94. My slider's better. You know, I helped him with his spin on that and try to, you know, try to maximize his break. And he's like, I just throw it at will. And and people are keep asking me how I throw it or what I do. And he's like, I just throw it as hard as I can. Like, as, as hard as I can, I try to spin it as fast as, you, as I can, like you told me. And I just don't even care. And he said he gave up a bomb on a really good slider, he felt like. And the catcher was like, wow, I don't even know how that guy hit it. You know, he's like, well. And, and he said before – 
he, you know, had gotten with it, that would have been something that just ruined him. Like if he gave up a double or a bomb or a home run, he would have been like, Fuck, you know, what am I, yeah. you know, what am I doing? Did I hang it? Did I, and now he's just to the point like, well, when he gives up a bomb, he talks about coming in, in you know, with his three-quarter slot, he's got great movement. Now he just tries to – he calls it back hip his fastball off the guy and see what he does. And he's gotten two after a double and a home run. Um, he's the very next batter. He's gotten two swing and misses with the ball actually hitting the guy in the back leg. And I was like <laughs> – and I said, you know, and our joke is now, why didn't you throw that in the first place? You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, I felt like the situation and the sequence of what I was trying to do is that's what led me to that. And I was like, totally – I totally understand. Everybody knows when you throw that, oh, yeah, you execute your pitch, and then the guy hits it a mile, and you're like, oh, that was a mistake. That was not yeah, the yeah. right – that was not the right one. It felt good out of your hand, and he hit it a mile. Oh, you go. We were all on the same page. There was no, there was no deception at all, you know. So, it cracks me up. Of, you know how all that stuff works. So, all right. So let's move on to to some more fun stuff. Let's move on to some some pitching things. Mm. You know, I see a lot of training, a lot of development, and stuff from there. We just talked about some some rotational things from there. As far as your throwing philosophy, do you have any cues or anything that I like to hear about how people, you know, explain the throwing motion and stuff in there? We kind of talked about it before about the pocket whip, the yeah. connection ball, some stuff in there. When you're throwing with guys, there and this is a big debate. I know you see it on there. I know you see the pocket whip stick like I do. You know, you see the um, the drive, the non-drive, the rotation, the not, you know, the finish square. What are some things that – let's start off with this one. What are some things that you like to promote that you feel like help your guys be successful? Okay. Um, so, at the end of the day, to each his own when it comes to throwing motions. Um, so, for example, like when I was at my best throwing 92, 94 um, with just fastballs, never throwing off speed pitch because it created movement, I could never teach someone to throw that way. Because biomechanically, we're all different. Just like if I try to teach you to throw like me, it probably wouldn't work out so well, um, strictly because we all move differently. So as far as things go, like my, my biggest philosophy when it comes to coaching is don't overcoach. Because at the end of the day, kids do what feels right. So we need to find that happy medium between um, understanding, hey, what's efficient and what feels good. Because we don't all need to be cookie cutters. Um, I don't need to have every single kid throwing exactly the same, like University of Virginia back in the day, where it's like, hey, every single guy rolls on the mound and throws the exact same way. And yeah, that's how Florida like, oh, State was when, oh, I was, yeah, when yeah. I was growing up. They did the same thing hitting and pitching-wise, and that was like my dream school, you know? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, but, yeah, the, it, you see it more and more and more um, at random different schools, but it's becoming less and less prominent but you see it more and more in travel ball, especially because I'm in the travel ball scene, especially with high school kids. It's like you see people teaching the same thing to every single kid. It's like, take a step back and realize how that sounds. It's like you're trying to teach one kid who's 6'6", 250, and then the next kid who's 5'11", 180, who throw completely different arm slots and teaching them the same thing. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. These kids can't move the same. Um, so as far as like the pocket goes, I think the pocket is like revolutionary. Strictly because 
something I struggled throughout my career was I had a super long arm swing where I would create two, like a huge arc way behind my back into a, into a scap load. But I would reach it at a point where I'm across my body, where I put too much strain on my shoulder capsule. So that's where my labrum issue may or may not have come from because at the end of the day, people say they get hurt because of this, this, and this, but at the end of the day, you got hurt. You can't blame one certain thing. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why, like when people say weighted balls are bad, like is really weighted balls bad or Hey, how about the way you're throwing or how, the, how about the way you're taking care of yourself? Yeah. Um, so when we talk about the pocket of understanding the biggest thing I find with the pocket is it is efficient. It's repeatable because as, as throwers in general, you see it constantly in infielders, outfielders, pitchers, catchers, whatever. Repeatability is key. Like if you can repeat your motion with 17, seven different pitches or from different distances at different intensities, you're going to create consistent results. So I find that, especially with younger kids, I find that with like with 10, 12, 14 year olds creating the pocket um, and understanding, Hey, how to load ourselves into our posterior chain becomes so much easier for these kids to repeat their delivery. Yeah. We're all going to reach it at a different time or in a different way. Um, but I'm seeing great results with these kids because they're actually buying into the fact, Hey, repeatability is what makes me better. It what makes me more efficient and what makes me throw harder. Um, and then going, going past that, there's a huge debate between back leg action, which can go on forever. Yeah. It's like, Oh, some people say you need to push off the mound, but then for every guy that says you need to push off the mound, there's another guy who says you need to just work down the mound or not really create force off the mound. It's like, or pull or pull down the mound, which is something yeah. that I, you know, I heard Scherzer say some talk, some talk some stuff about that about yeah. how he's trying to keep his back foot pushing into the ground while his front foot sweeping out. Which, yeah. when you watch his motion, I think somebody posted a video of him in the bullpen in spring yeah. training, and you, you know, I watched that. You know, I'm sure you do the same thing I do, where you yeah, watch yeah. the video, it's on loop, and you you don't even realize you watched it a hundred times before. That you're like, oh, okay, I need to it's stop like a- <laughs> for a second. You know, like, like on on Twitter, you know, um, um, the pitching ninja, his gifts are just so awesome. But I, anybody that throws anything that I, you know, I, I'll waste ten minutes of my life just watching the same thing over and over and over. Exactly. But that's one of the things that I did like about what Scherzer when he was talking about that how he's trying to press on the ground as hard as he can and then make his front foot sweep out as fast as he can. And then when you watch that side angle of that, it's just so awesome you know i even i oh, posted yeah. uh something that i saw last night with uh, pedro martinez and i'm really i like what's called a positive angle which is pretty yeah. much the same thing of keeping your back foot into the ground as long as you can which is what the um what's that one device the uh velo pro v- harness v- yeah. yeah and it, it, it promotes the same thing and i like that you know it's, it's a great great tool for that and keeping positive angle for the guys at home that don't understand what i'm talking about positive angle that's where your front foot's higher than your back foot your front hips higher than your back hip and your front shoulders higher than your back shoulder, but it's not extreme. It's not, no. you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, they're with the brewers and with the, uh, the Astros, you know, Mike, what's his name where you're, you know, completely, Oh, I think it's oh, Mike, yeah. whatever it's just, it is, you know, but yeah, that's just a, an extreme example, but that, like you said, yeah. customizing and, and working for him, that's something that, that works with it. So w- with that being said, you know, you're, you're a pocket whip guy. What, what is because I you know what's so funny about the pocket whip? I think everybody has their different version of it. Because when you watch it and you watch the examples on that on that page and the other people that put it out there, 
for what I see with the pocket, I see like five different things. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's, it all is interpretation. It's all customizing. What do, you, what do you think your version of it? And then I'll compare it to my version. Yeah. So what, when I think about the pocket or how we bring the ball out of our hand, um, a lot of people say glove up, ball down. Um, I think that's more of like a general way to talk about it. Um, but understand that like it gives you a point of reference of where you need to break the baseball. So when I break the baseball, I work to my hip. I'm creating pot, I'm creating flexion into my elbow. So when I go from the pocket and I lift into a loaded position, I'm maintaining flexion. I'm creating actually maintaining pressure throughout my bicep uh, and loading up my posterior, like my, my posterior delt, the head of my lat, all the way through down my posterior oblique system. So now I'm creating tension. But basically, the the, all, the end all be all is creating tension in our throws, creating tension in our our swing, because that's all that really matters. So when I get from a point from where I go from a pocket and I lift into a loaded position, realistically, whether I, I create a long arm swing or if I don't, I'm going to get to that position where, whether I like it or not, if I'm going to be successful. That's where I, how I create tension, because I'm going to land in a loaded position at foot strike. At foot strike, I got to be loaded. Simple as that. Uh-huh. If you're not loaded, you're kind of putting yourself in a bad spot. Um, but I find it to be efficient because it keeps you in line with your body. So a big problem I had throughout my career was I would never stay in line ever, not even close. I would go, hey, let's go back here. Where, oh, I'm way behind my shoulder. Now I'm going to put so much stress on my, my uh, anterior shoulder capsule that I'm going to shred it. Staying, But I think that's something that helped me when I started to revamp my arm action was understanding, hey, I want to stay in line with my body so I'm not creating too much stress. I think it becomes a more efficient and stress-free version of a throwing motion. Yeah, a lot of people say, hey, let's get super long, let's work into the work into the shoulder, but they're gonna get to the same positions regardless. So there's a give and take with the pocket. It's like, yeah, you can get to the pocket and get to a loaded position, but couldn't you do the same thing by creating a long arm swing and getting to a loaded position? Technically, yes. And that's why a lot of kids it has to be individualized. Yeah. Like your throwing motion and my throwing motion are completely different, but what works for me and what works for you aren't the same. And exactly. we're all, but at the end of the day, we're going to have huge amount of similarities in our oh. movements because we're both going to get to a good loaded position. We're going to create good foot strike. We're going to uh, brace their front side. We're going to drop. We're going to rotate our shoulder through on follow through. We're going to do a million different things. Correct. Um, but there are going to be variable differences. Yeah. That's, that's really where I've, I've, you know, the, I really feel like the iPhone, the year that they came out with slow motion on the iPhone was revolutionary. I think to the internet pitching world, you oh, know, of I, course. I have been posting videos of kids. You could actually go to my page and look back. You can go all the way back to where I was in Florida. And I'm posting slow motion video motion of guys throwing and the evolution of even the information. You can see it, you know, where there's a lot of guys where we're and see, it's so funny that that when that pocket thing came out, I've been calling similar things the gun for a while because I felt like glove up, arm down looked like a pistol. So I've been okay. calling it yeah. the gun, make a gun. And then it's cues. Yeah, now yeah. I tell the kids, I say, um, when you get down to what feels good down here with the throwing hand down by the pocket, I say, yeah. act like you grab groceries for mom and just raise them up, which is That's loading a, the posterior, the you know, yeah, loading yeah. the posterior, you know, the thing, which is, you know, I think, you know, it's funny about that. Now you take the pocket and then you look at some of the pages 
And it seems like some of the guys who are into the pocket are into anti-momentum. And yes. so looking at what am I into that stuff, when I'm looking at how I throw, I'm a, I have a credible long stride. I'm, I, I stride farther oh, yeah. than anybody else. And you, de and you so, definitely do. I've seen you know, that many times. <laughs> you know, and, and it's something that I've done since I was 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it hasn't really been a launch thing. And I've had tons of people tell me, oh, if you shorten your stride, this and that. That's been the one thing that I've noticed that I've never been able to do. When I try to, yeah. quote, unquote, shorten my stride, that's just a natural thing that I do. You know, I have a slight delay in, in my uh, upper half to be able to control that side of it. But the more uh, I've talked to some other guys and watching some, a lot, of, especially the VIP guys who are into the, the shuffle fire shot put med balls yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, the things that I've noticed with that is that those guys are timing that hip to shoulder ro rotation better and being able to get to that, you know, raise the thing with the med medicine ball to create the momentum. And then that momentum, the way I've kind of interpreted it is the more momentum that you have into rotation, the easier it is to rotate farther and faster. And, and, 100%. The, and the guys that I see with that are, you know, you're looking at Blake Snell right now, explodes mm -hmm. down the mound. You're looking at Chapman, you know, Chapman, I think, you know, Chapman's huge into this whole weighted ball thing and everything. And I think that, you know, um, Kershaw's a long stride guy too. And, and I, you know, I have a theory on Kershaw while he keeps getting hurt, you know, looking at, I actually saw Kershaw throw like his second year at Dodger stadium. It was awesome. Looking at him then to now, I feel like speaking of tension, I think that tension backside to front side and how to create the loose control, but yet, uh, free arm deceleration is one of his big issues because if you watch him right now, he's trying to not over rotate Zach Grinky style. Yeah. And I think that when he was younger and he was over rotating and having complete shoulder and hip rotation on his follow through, I feel like he was better. And looking at his season last year when they were in the World Series, I don't think he'd thrown the ball any better. What do you think about guys who try to tinker like that? Like he threw the ball better than I, I've ever seen him in the playoffs. And then when he comes back, it looked like to me, it looked like to me, he was trying to finish square and stop what he's doing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, that's what I don't understand why these guys, especially at the highest level, like Clayton Kershaw, like, dude, you are a name brand in professional baseball. You are an all star almost every year. Why are you tinkering with the stuff you're doing? Um, it's for the same reason, like, look at, like, Tim Linscombe. Like, he never tinkered with anything. He just yeah. did the same thing throughout, whether it failed, uh, he, he showed success, showed failure. He never changed it because that's what felt good for him. That's what he knew was right. Or, for example, like, Trevor Bauer doesn't really um, change his movements. Yeah, he's huge into pitch design, which I'm trying to get into. It's, it's a huge process because I think it's revolutionary as far as pitching goes, especially because – major league programs are buying into rap Soto and um, the pitch design age more than anybody. Yeah. And I think that needs to trickle down to youth sports because at the end of the day, if you can maximize your ability to throw your off speed pitches and maximize your fastballs, you're going to be more successful. One of my favorite pitchers to watch ever when it comes to rotation and being explosive, RIP Donald Ventura is one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Yeah, ever. for sure. Be because that dude was more, controlled yet explosive than anyone I've ever seen in my life yeah. because he is, his stride was unbelievably short, which amazed me. Um, 
because he would create forward movement on leg lift. And then to, in a blink of an eye, he would already have thrown the baseball. Yeah. Be, same guys with like Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman creates immense amounts of hip rotation and shoulder rotation forward. And mm-hmm. that's where like – when people say like recoiling, I think recoiling is one of the best ways to decelerate, decelerate yes. because, yes. because, because when you land into, into foot strike, creating as much force and you create that good leg race, if you don't really recoil, like you're not real, you're kind of slowing yourself down. That's why when people say like, Hey, let's get over our front side and reach to our toes and whatever. It's like, Hey, get in the fielding position. Like you are not, you are becoming a lot less athletic at that particular moment, because uh-huh. you are slow, you're slowing down everything. Your body needs to decelerate somehow. When you see guys recoil, if you watch in slow mo, um, they're getting full shoulder ro- extension forward, creating the shoulder rotation forward all the way into their backside. Their arm touches basically their backside or kind of hits the front of their chest and then recoils mm-hmm. back. Like what's mm-hmm. and people say like, oh well, that's bad. Like oh, they're not finishing their pitches. Like are you watching what I'm watching? Like they're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're completely creating shoulder rotation forward and finishing their pitch and then finishing in a it's a natural it's a oh, natural thing and an absolute swaggy way to finish pitches it's like <laughs> like or, look at these guys it's it's so funny that that when and as we're talking about these guys who are throwing and you hear about oh arm recoils bad and this and that and it's so funny how those guys who do it or are so successful at it and they call it the Konyo finish. And it's just so true because <laughs> there's so many guys that I've seen uh, that legit have a Konyo finish. And that's what, and that's the first, you know, the first time I say it. And I've been a I, dude, I've been, I've stood point blank next to a guy who threw 101. Yeah. And speaking of what you're saying with Yodana Ventura, this guy threw just like him. And I've never seen anybody get hit harder. And it really baffled me until I started looking at this. And this is something and I want your opinion on. Yeah, flight time. I think flight time of the baseball, especially with you know fastballs, is a very yeah. underrated statistic. Because I've seen, like I said, you see some short stride guys, and then you know you hear hitters like when some guys face me and they see you know the guns. Right now, I'm not, you know obviously I'm 32. I'm not elite shape going, but I can still go yeah, out yeah. and throw and I can touch 90. Of course. But the guys that when you know recently I threw against some college guys and they were talking yeah. about how I was 88, 90. But my 8890 looked so much harder and everything moved so much later than anything some of these kids have ever faced. And I said, well, you know, according to my distance, what I was saying, my foot stride, my my front toe to the guy that I'm pitching against his front toe, I was I cleared his entire step. You know, yeah. my I was literally an entire foot closer to the thing. And I think that's an underrated thing. And you hear some yeah. hitters talk about it where this guy's 92 looks like a hundred and I just can't see it. And then you look at the stuff that they're doing, even Stroman nowadays come back after the DL. I'm trying to see a difference in what he's kind of changed. And it looks like he does have more momentum and a longer stride right now. And he, and he, you know, he does great job with that arm rotation and getting that arm coming through, you know, Oh, with one of the things, one of my favorite um, rules, I call it rules for Jen, especially when I'm teaching kids at the beginning, you know, to teach, the gun and everything after I teach the gun, there's three rules that I've run into. And, and, you know, I want to get your opinion on this is one, both hands move at the same time. That's actually, I feel like it's one of the things that's not preached. You know, when you see kids, when they're trying to throw, I'm trying to teach them, look, we're trying to be a Ferris wheel, but on your axis, your arm path, we're trying to match the clock of what you're trying to do. 
I think that I don't hear a lot of people talk about that because you see a lot of people that like what I call, like what you were saying, where you have the pocket where it's ball down, glove up. I see a lot of people that want to swing up, oh, you know, God. when I see people swing up, by the way, it's not that it's, <laughs> it's not that it's wrong. I just feel like I, I see more guys who have shoulder and elbow pain with the swing up. You know what I mean? And that's the way I was taught. And that's one of the things that I was, was told to change was to swing up and then you know coming from experience this guy gave out yeah you know, i mean i mean we were all taught that way exactly so that's number one both hands move at the same time number two and this is where i feel like this part is debatable because you see people all the time with a glove tuck and all this yeah. stuff i really feel like both arms can't cross um at any point and, and, because, and the reason why is because of the tension part you were talking about. So yeah. if you take your glove and you tuck it and you reach as far behind underneath to that follow-through position, you're getting what I call shoulder crunch where both shoulders are moving forward at the same time just because you're stopping. And yeah. I feel like that puts massive tension on the shoulders, the chest, and it, especially when I'm trying to decelerate, I don't want any tension on that. I want that, I want that conial finish as best as I can. You know? Of course. And then number three is both hands – finish past the hip even with the you know the conio finish i want i want both hands you, got, you, you see charlie morton right now really doing a good job of over exaggerating his glove side getting behind his body scherzer's you know still he even though he's a glove tuck guy the glove yeah. goes with the shoulder it doesn't stop and so three rule what do you think about those three basic rules of throwing yeah so when we talk about like front arm action when we're talking about like where it goes like i am not a glove tug guy. The reason why I'm not a glove tug guy is because I think of it as a huge stop sign. Yeah. When it comes exactly. to acceleration, it's like if I, especially for kids, it's like, hey, I'm going to extend my arm forward and I'm going to glove tug. Well, now I'm kind of in a terrible position where I'm trying to accelerate my front arm and now I'm kind of, I can't really create any shoulder rotation and I'm kind of decelerating way before I want to yeah. because physiologically when i when my front arm hits my chest my body wants to stop so get that get it out of the way it's like that's why like for example like i've done a recent lot of i mean something early on that i learned from driveline was positive disconnection when we talk, talk about positive disconnection it's almost like our front arm disconnects from our from our torso so into foot strike we land in a loaded position toward the target but then we create disconnection with my front arm so it makes creates a lane for our chest and our backside to go through. It's uh -huh. so like, if I don't clear my front side and work past my body or parallel to my body, I'm not really finishing my throw. There's no way I can recoil it from like this. It's impossible. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's, but like when you see it on the, but the problem is you see it nonstop in guys, you see guys with glove tucks, you see guys with gloves behind their back. You see guys with the glove down, you see guys with a glove like here but so then there's a huge debate like oh what's more efficient like why does there even need to be a debate what works for the individual exactly, um, exactly. like for like if i tried to go like this i would throw way slower than i do but if i create positive disconnection then i create like when i throw my glove goes way behind my back and so does you yeah. like i've seen you i've seen you throw plenty of times it's like hey you're creating good shoulder rotation we're pulling our glove through and you're creating massive amounts of extension yeah. so when it comes to the stride life um that goes hand in hand to forward momentum yeah like i know a lot of kids like the whole old school ideal of staying over the rubber is 
very very dead <laughs> it's like it's like we're not creating anything that way yeah um so like my biggest philosophy is understanding when we lift our leg whether it be a full leg kick uh slide step whatever we need to create forward momentum sorry it just needs to happen because yeah. we're explosive athletes we need to move as fast as we can in one direction creating as much velocity as we can so if i'm creating forward momentum and and trailing my backside like creating pressure or thinking about pushing through the floor or through the mound as i move forward i'm going to create an explosive movement when my foot that when that front foot hits the ground Uh um so all three of those rules i like them they're awesome um strictly because it covers all the bases Uh, and i feel like they're general enough to where if you are a glove tuck guy it's, we're just trying to get the shoulders to keep going. Yeah. You know? And, and while well, one of the biggest glove tuck guys that I've seen, you know, I've seen him throw three times now. And what I really love is Verlander. And he's such yeah. a giant glove tuck guy. And when he got, it's so crazy how you remember last year before he got traded, they were talking about how washed up he was. Yeah. And they were saying, oh, his velo's down. He's 90, 92. And all I saw was him glove tuck, finish square. And then short stride. And then yeah. now if you watch him with the Astros, if you look, if you compare his video from when he was with the Tigers and then when he was with the Astros, his strides longer, he's lower to the ground with his front leg, his front leg's bent longer, and his glove, he does have, still have his glove tuck, but he his follow-through on his arm, he gets that whip, you know, that recoil that's quote unquote so bad. And it's so funny yeah. how he in one start, he had that, I think he had like a he missed one start to set up for his next one. Yeah. And for the way I've interpreted it, it definitely seems like, and the Astros are so into this video and edutronic and all that stuff. They showed him, yo, when you throw a hundred, this is what you do. You stride this far, you rotate this fast. This is what you do. And then he comes out and wins nine games in a row. And now he goes from, Oh, you're uh, you're, you're old and washed up where in one week you're old and washed up. Now you're 97, a hundred, the whole game blowing yeah. cheese by guys and they're going like, by the way, throw your curveball more, you know, and, <laughs> it's, you know, and it, you're seeing all these philosophies and these things going around where it's like, yeah, man, like if we're playing percentages, it's so much harder to hit a moving ball when you're not quite sure what's going on, you know, and you're yeah. looking at Morton, you're looking at Bauer, you're looking at Verlander, and they're starting to have their number two pitch, which I would say Bowers is curveball, Morton's is curveball, Verlander's is curveball, are almost the same percentage as their fastball. And then they're yeah. tunneling it so much better. I oh love it. God. You know, like it's so fun to watch, you know, you, when you're watching all this stuff on, on the internet and you're watching yeah. guys going, you know, one of the pitches that I feel like growing up um, that I heard was a, was a taboo was – righty lefty or lefty righty up and away fastballs and it was it was a it was a thing that was no you don't do that because the the guy can just dump it over the third baseman and now you're seeing verlander and morton missing oh one on yeah. purpose up and away and what you're watching the guy so worried about the fastball that you know the hands start or something moves oh, yeah. and then they're throwing a backdoor curve coming out of the same tunnel and the guy has no chance you know oh yeah but like the whole the whole philosophy now is understanding what's important. Like velocity matters. Simple as that. I mean, velocity is huge. You see guys like Trevor Bauer or like, for example, like Severino, that dude throws a hundred miles an hour the entire game. And how many, how many balls does he hit his spot with? Yeah. Like half, 
right? They're never like dotted. Yeah. Like, yeah, like when you see pitches dotted, yeah, that's super impressive because he's taking a hundred and putting it on the black. But then ninety percent of the time, they you see if you watch a baseball game, whether it is you see anybody pitch, whether it be Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, uh, Severino, whatever, um, you're going to see balls miss middle on a regular basis, or miss up and away, or miss uh-huh. low and in, or up and in, and you're going to get they see more swing and misses than. I've, I've seen in my life it's like oh but then when on like instagram it's like you, you post a video of someone throwing 100 middle middle and it's like oh well he missed down the middle of the plate i'm like yeah dude like you, you don't get it it's like yeah that's 100 miles an hour you can barely see it number one number mm-hmm. two it's got three inches of tilt yeah either across or down like you're exactly. not going to hit that pitch i don't care where it's going to be yeah but like I think Severino and Garrett, the same thing. Longer stride, more shoulder rotation. And yeah. and and then okay, here's one more thing. Loose front glove hand. So yes. to, to lose tension. Because like that's one of the things I what I was same thing. Squeeze the glove, pull it in, which activates the bicep, which stops the shoulder. And yeah. so for you guys at home, that's a giant nugget. That's like a super secret that I just kind of I've got a buddy of mine who's indie ball right now and I won't tell you where he's at, but he just hit like 95 for the first time. And we've been working off season and I'm super pumped because he throws like 94, 95 miles straight down bowling ball, Kevin Brown sinkers. And it's unbelievable. <laughs> like it's so fun to watch him throw. And, you know, he really feels a big difference and understands what he's trying to do. And, I'm, you know, I hope, I really hope he signs this year because I'll be so happy for him because he's a former Pecos league guy too. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to watch him go through, you know, that whole progression of stuff. But yeah, like when we talk about front arm, it's like it's almost like it's dead. Right. So up until foot strike, we have to have maintained tension because mm-hmm. we can't have it flying around. Right. Yeah, I'm exactly. Not, I'm not going to fly open and become a just a mess of arms and legs. Yes. yes. But when, when I land in a strong position, I'm acting my bicep as I start to disconnect. I'm releasing tension in my front side to clear tension for the rest of my body. It's exactly, like, yeah. I can't, I can't be like, Oh, here we go. I'm going to warm myself up to my chest. It's like, Hey, clear it and let it rip. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, and, and I think that that's probably, we have reached a good point. You know, um, we've covered a lot of things. I think we could part two, three, eight of this oh, conversation yeah, all forever. day. Yeah, exactly. Well, we will definitely do this again because this yeah. is awesome. And I have a great uh, idea and I think you'll like it. I want to get it because I'll, I'll say on this on this platform, I can have eight guys go at once. So I want to get a nice round table where we just get just different guys, you know, Joe Hansen baseball, all the people that yeah. understand. And we just have a debate, share information, because I feel like that's something that a lot of people miss, you know, and and it's definitely a – fun environment on the internet and you know besides some some sour apples and some people who apparently have no more time on their hands except for to you know ridicule and not look at things in a different light i mean i get (laughs) dude i got one guy from nebraska that literally once a month sends me novels on why i'm wrong and it takes every little bit i'm so so many type deletes that it's like listen i can't do this because if yeah. i send what i want to send then like what happened with bauer tweeting that one kid you know it's definitely a thing that you know has to be figured out you know so oh, yeah 
I mean, well, at, the end of, at the end of the day, like people are always going to have their opinions. They're always going to down our ideas or if it's not something they believe in. Exactly. I, that's why I don't worry about it. Like I get DMs all the time. Like, dude, what is that? It's like, that looks horrible. It's like, oh, that's not efficient. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You can have your opinion, but I'm not, whatever works for each per individual is what matters. Hey, just keep, in, keep enjoying 82. You know, you, oh, you yeah, that. exactly. It's like, hey, you throw 878. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, eventually you're going to try something different. Eventually you're going to see, you know, that you long tossing at 70% because someone told you that you'll, you need to save your bullets. Because yeah, save your bullets, yeah, good idea. Yeah, save your bullets <laughs> because your arm only has so many bullets, except for that could be the worst analogy in the history of baseball right there. Literally. Yeah, cool. Literally. All right, dude. Well, um, tell everybody where they can go prime perform on Instagram. Give everybody, you know, your 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 details, all of the good stuff. Yeah, so please follow me on at prime.perform on Instagram. As, in addition, please follow at Connecticut Wolfback. Um, that's I work at the batting cage in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We run our AAU teams, Connecticut Wolfback, anywhere from 10 to 18U. Um, my prime performance, um, huge strong program, all kinds of strength information. Follow me right now. Um, I'm I do online programming. Hit me up. We'll go get we'll get to work. Get some yes. gains. Yes, do that. Do that, guys. If you haven't, do it. I'm working on some online stuff. I'll, I'll tell you about it off air. I've got some pretty exciting stuff. Maybe, uh, do you guys ever come to Arizona for the stuff over there, or do you stay in Florida? Uh, no, we kind of just stay around. Oh, you stay around? You don't? You haven't gotten to do the big stuff yet? No, like we don't really fly around. We kind of stay local in the mid-Atlantic and northeast region for now. Gotcha. Uh, and then eventually it's going to start branching out. Right on, right on. Well, if I'm ever up that way, we need to set up a clinic and do oh, some yeah. collab stuff together. I mean, there's, you know, I've, I've been setting up clinics, try to do things wherever I go. Uh, yeah, yeah, are yeah. you gonna Are you gonna go to the uh, coaches convention in Dallas in January? I hope so. So um, that so we shall yeah. we shall we shall sh uh, share a cerveza and and <laughs> have even have even more have even more fun. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. All right, guys. We'll appreciate it. Go follow uh, Rob over on Prime Perform and his other page uh, for uh, everything's probably going to be on his Instagram page on there. I'll put it all in the link in the I'll put it all in the description of this on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel. Buy some shirts. Don't think just throw Cutter Nation, all kinds of stuff on there. I got the weighted balls that you scared of. I got the body, the shoulder tube. I got the J bands. I got the, the floss, uh, the um, 108 flush bands, like, you know, whatever, man. I just, I want to help. And if you got a question, I've got on how to use all those on YouTube as well. So you got anything else for them? You got any more nuggets? Oh, we got to save nuggets for the next time. Yeah. But, but please buy that shirt. That thing is fresh. Yeah. Hey. Don't think just throw, man. Don't <laughs> think, it. Don't think just it. throw. Sounds good. All right, man. I appreciate it. Don't go anywhere. We'll chat a little bit more and go from there. Guys. Thanks. One last thing. Don't forget. And I know it's kind of a theme. Throw hard. Throw hard. Yeah. Please. Pl please. Please. Throw hard. Please. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem.